Good morning and welcome to Pursuit Church. We're so excited to be with you and your families, worshiping and receiving a powerful word that is gonna be ministered today by Bishop Daryl Hines. He'll be speaking about faith under attack. Let's get ready to worship God. I'm gonna be the pastor for the next few moments. Again, I feel like preaching this morning, so thank you for sharing with me. I look forward to being with you all in Australia real soon. Let me pray and then we're gonna go right to the word. Father, I thank you. And I praise you for this time of sharing as I share this word with your people. Let it be increased to their hearts and let it be food to their spirit. Let encouragement come as a result of this word. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. You know, we're living in a very unique time. And I appreciate the invitation extended to me to share with you some things that God has put in my heart. I'm going to ask that you open your Bibles and go with me to the book of 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. And I'm going to start reading at the 12th verse. I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible. It says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. The 14th verse. It says, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. For the spirit of the glory of God rests upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he is glorified. I want to talk to you from this scripture text, a message entitled Faith Under Attack. I don't know about you there in Australia, but we're experiencing some real difficult days here in America. And we're seeing and sensing some things that we haven't seen in my lifetime. Of course, we understand that this COVID is something that we don't play with, but we're here experiencing social and political upheaval as well. And God has given me this word for the body of Christ, so I know you will be blessed there in Australia by it. You see, if you live as a Christian any length of time, you know that we are constantly under Satan's attack, according to the word of God. Now, we know that this is true and not saying this to cause fear, but we want to give you an awareness to bring an awareness to believers that we have an enemy who is threatened by our existence. Just the fact that we are here is something that the enemy is nervous about. You see, the Bible gives us instructions of how we are to survive Satan's attack and those things that he come to destroy the church with. Go with me to Ephesians as we turn to the sixth chapter and start reading at the 10th verse. It says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the attacks of the devil. The 12th verse says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take upon you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. You see, the Bible tells us in the 13th verse, the word withstand is a Greek word, which is antihistamale. Now, this word really means against. Again, anti is against, and histamine is to stand or to cause you to stand. 
And so the verb suggests that we as people of God, we have to vigorously oppose and bravely resist, stand face to face against any adversary, standing our ground just as an antihistamine blocked the histamine the word of God tells us that we have authority against any spiritual weapons that have formed against us. For the scripture says that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Why is it so important that I minister this word to you right now? You see, this is the challenge facing the church today is how do we transfer our faith from one generation to future generations without losing any power or losing any ground? They're changing definitions of words right before us. Our society is changing right before our eyes. And the church is under attack like it has never been before. You see, we know that believers in Christ have suffered for generations upon generations. If you go to the book of Hebrews, which is a very important book, in particularly the 11th chapter, what we call the Hall of Faith, you will find the first part of this chapter speaks to the accomplishments of the patriarchs who accomplished great feats of faith according to the word of God it speaks about Moses and Abraham and those people of God who were so faithful to God but then you also find in this same chapter in the 35th verse where it speaks to those who suffered great persecution the 35th verse says women received their dead raised to life again and others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Look at the 36th verse says, and others had trials of cruel markings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. 38th verse says, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in desert and in caves and mountains and dens of the earth. You see, there has to be this reality that we face, that today we live in a time where the enemy is doing everything he can to sway us in our faith. Why is it so important that we hear this message now? Because God is depending on the church to be that light that sits on a hill that cannot be hid. You see, a light brings direction. We are the salt of the earth. Salt is a preserver. And if the world has ever needed to have direction and preserving, that time is right now. You see, I don't want you to be afraid of suffering. Not that this is a message that speaks and magnifies that we're going to have to go through some things. But every now and then, the church has to be addressed as to how we are to stand our ground and to be strong in the Lord in times like these. You see, believers have suffered throughout history, horrific deaths in history. If you look at it, you will find out that many of them were dragged to death, that they were skinned, they were hung on crosses, coated with wax, and they lit up the roads into the cities. They were starved to death. Many of them were boiled to death killed by wild animals in open arenas. They were placed in barrels with spokes or spikes driven into the barrels and they were taken to hills and they would be closed in these barrels and the barrels would then be rolled down the hills. As a matter of fact, for over 300 years, Christians suffered great persecution. You know the history where 
The Bible says, oh, the Bible gives us instructions that Paul lived in this time, where the disciples lived in this time. Starting at about 64 AD on July 19, this was a great year that Rome caught a fire and it was engulfed in fire. And of the 14 quarters that Rome had, only four remained unburned. Some people said that Nero, he lit the city afire so he could clear land to build monuments to himself. The Bible tells us that as he did this, Christians suffered great persecution. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this in Matthew, the 11th chapter and the 12th verse. It says, from the day of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent taketh it by force. Now, when you read that in the New Living Translation, Angelicize, it really says it like this. And from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcibly or forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. Did you hear what I just said? The church has been forcefully advancing while we have been violently attacked by others. As a matter of fact, if you just look at the times that we live in, recently, in 2016, in Syria, many believers in Christ suffered at the hand of ISIS. And as a matter of fact, Christians are the most, let me say this all right, Christianity is the most persecuted religion in the world, according to a new study from the Center of Studies on New Religion. To let you to understand that the study found that over 90,000 believers in Christ were murdered in 2016, 30% of whom were killed by the hands of Islamic extremists. Just a few days ago or a few years ago, Bibles were burned in protest in India. And here in America, in the city of Portland, Oregon, some Bibles were burned in protest against the history of Christianity. You see, that's why the Bible tells us in such an important way that we have to understand that we have to be the ones that resist the attack of the enemy. Now, I don't want you to get heavy this morning behind this message because I am going to bring you through this. But the existence of our faith depends on our standing for the things of God. You see, you got to recognize the Bible tells us in 1 Peter, the fourth chapter and the 12th verse through the 19th verse. And the reason I'm reading these scriptures is because they give us insight as to how to resist the enemy. There has to be people to understand that we are in spiritual warfare, but we already have the victory in the name of Jesus. For the Bible says in 1 Peter, the fourth chapter, the 12th through the 19th verse, beloved, Think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. The 13th verse says, but rejoice. So there ought to be a praise breakout right now in the middle of my message. It says, rejoice in as much as ye partake in Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye shall be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for Christ's sake, hallelujah. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you. It says for the spirit of the glory or the spirit of honor. It is an honor to stand for righteousness. For the spirit of honor or glory of God rests upon you. On their part, he is evil spoken of. 
but on your part, he is glorified. 15th verse says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a busybody in other men's matters. It goes on to tell us in the 17th verse, for the time is coming that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begins at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? 18th verse says, and if the righteous scarcely be saved, oh, this is a reality check for the church. If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinners appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Let me just share this with you. There is a transitioning in the kingdom of God. And there is a tug of war where the enemy is trying to gain ground. And he's trying to cause the church to lose. Why is it so important that this message is preached worldwide? Because if there's ever been a time for the church to understand that we make our mark in the sand and we dare the devil to cross it. You see, we have the authority of Jesus Christ on our side and we have victory through Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. So if the enemy is coming and trying to destroy what the church stands for, the church has to be strong now like never before. For the Bible tells us in Ephesians the 10th chapter or the 6th chapter and the 10th verse, it says, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or stand against the methods or the tricks or the schemes of the devil, his plans, something, Diablos, he's a false accuser. He comes to slander the church and he comes to make us look less than what God has called us to be. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take upon you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in this evil day, having done all to stand, stand. This is where our message speaks to our personal principles and speak for the care of our communities and our families. We need to stand in our faith like never before. We need to stand in our faith for our families. We need to stand in our faith for our marriages and for our children and for those who don't know Jesus Christ, you see the very principles that God or Christianity is established upon. Faith in God, faith in family, faith in his word, and faith in his work has come under attack. And I don't want the church cowering and, and acting intimidated and, and being afraid to say, no, 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 no. For God, I live and for God, I die. It is time for us to get our backbones and to stop allowing the enemy to cause us to bow over. But the Bible says that we have to stand, having done all to stand, stand therefore. Put on the armor of God and stand against the tricks, the wiles, the schemes of the devil. You see, God will show up in the midst of trying times if the church will dare stand in the face of adversity and say we're not going anywhere. Now, some of you don't know this, but I come from a large family. I have six sisters and three brothers. 
And when I was born, my parents were already part of a Pentecostal persuasion. As a matter of fact, I'm still a member of that denomination. And I'll never forget this. My parents taught us the things of Jesus Christ at a very young age. And so at eight years old, I gave my heart to Jesus. I was filled with the Holy Ghost at the age of 11. And so my endeavor was to live holy. You see, they taught us that holiness looked a certain way and it sounded a certain way. So therefore, we couldn't go to basketball games and football games. They said, you have to come from amongst them and be separated. They told us to not to be sitting in the seats of the scornful. And of course, those seats were movie theaters. And so we didn't have much life outside of the church in our own home. As a matter of fact, when we played, we played church. We would go to church, to school, to home. And that's the way that we were raised. We were also told by the word of God that if we were to be hit, we were supposed to turn the other cheek. Now, that's where my revelation got a little blurry because I, I, I just didn't want to turn the other cheek and get beat up. Because back in the day, you all may not know anything about this there in Australia, but back in the day when I was a little boy, to be sanctified, people treated you really funny. They treated us like we had a disease or something. You would see you walk and say, there goes that sanctified boy. And of course, they wouldn't fool with me. And sometimes they would bully me. And I remember making up in my mind that I'm going to run. When they come after me, I would be running. And so I would always run. And so my sister Phoebe, who was very close to me, that's one of my sisters. I got six of them. I told you that earlier. She uh, was, a, you know, she was kind of cute. And uh, there was this guy in school who liked Phoebe. Now, he was in the fourth grade and I was in the sixth grade. But again, I was trying to be saved. And so he messed with my sister and she came and told me that he was bothering her. And so I said, well, I'm going to get him. Tell him to meet me after school. Well, of course, that was the big brother in me standing up. But when I got to the door where he was, I realized he was there to fight. And of course, I was trying to be saved. And so I started running. And I ran home, it was about three blocks. I ran home and I burst through the front doors, fell in the house. Mama was at home, she was cooking. My father got off of work at 3.30 and she had to make sure that the food was ready. But she was so concerned because I fell in on the floor. And so she came out of the kitchen and she says, boy, what's going on? And I said, mama, he's chasing us. I won't call his name. I said, he's chasing us. And my mother said, us. She said, who? I said, me and Phoebe. And my mother said, well, where is Phoebe? And I said, I don't know. And so my mother said, boy, if you don't get out of here and go get your sister, this happened to me. And so I had to turn right back around and go out the front door that I had just burst through and go find my sister. Well, by the time I came to the top of the porch, the young boy was coming through the front gates of our, of our yard. He looked up and saw me and he turned around and started running. Now, when he started running, I started running after him. That was the very first time I'd ever been in a situation where I was chasing somebody. So I was telling him, come on back here. I got something for you. I was ready to get at him. But he ran on away from me, ran faster than I could. So I turned around and started walking back to the house. And when I got to the gate of the fence, I looked up and I saw my mother was standing on the porch. Now, I want you to know that that was a revelation. Because when I was chasing the boy, I didn't see my mother behind me. But apparently... When he came through that fence and I came out the front door, my mother came out with me. Even though I couldn't see her, she came out behind me. And when the boy looked up and saw my mother, he turned and started to run for his life. What am I trying to tell you here? You see, when we stand for God, we don't stand alone. 
The power of God stands with us. For the Bible declares that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. And I'm speaking to you because it's time for you to claim your victory through Jesus Christ. And don't let the devil see your hind parts, but turn around face to face and let him know I'm not going anywhere. And before you know it, he will see the presence of God upon you and he will leave you. For the Bible lets us know that when you stand for righteousness, God stands with you. You see, it is righteousness that exalts a nation. But it's sin that's a reproach to any people. And if there's ever been a time for the righteous to stand up and to declare that God is in control. And for God I live and for God I die, that time is now. Now I don't know what the climate is there in Australia. But in the world, Christianity is being attacked. But God told me to tell you that you have the power of God in you. And you start taking authority and rebuking the enemy off of your family and off of your children and out of your marriage and stand for the things of God. You see, the Bible lets us know according to Psalms 34, 15 through 17 that the eye of the Lord is upon the righteous and the ears are open to hear our cry. So God is seeing us. He's hearing us. He knows what you're facing. The 17th verse says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and deliver him out of all of his trouble. And since I'm on this road, I might as well go on to the 19th verse of the 34th chapter of the book of Psalms. It says, Many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of all of them. Uh, yes, Isaiah 43 and 2 says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. It says, when you walk through the fire, thou shall not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon you. And then Isaiah 59 and 19 says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. Do you recognize what I'm telling you is that in this day and time, we have an opportunity to be victorious like never before. To let the word of God and the power of God saturate our lives and our homes and our families until we see miracles, signs, and wonders. If there's ever been a wonderful time to know Jesus, that time is now. Now, I want you all to know I'm in my own pulpit here in the city of Milwaukee, and there is an anointing on this pulpit to preach. And so if I sound kind of preachy a little more than I was when I was in Australia, then you got to bear with me because I'm at home declaring the word of God. Remember, the scripture tells us that you have God on your side. For David said, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He making me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou anointest my head with oil. My God prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemy. Then thou anointest my head with oil. And my cup runneth over. Surely I got surely on my side. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You see, you got to understand that even though we are sheep 
Even though we are sheep and sheep are the most insufficient animals made by God. They don't have the aroma of a skunk. They can't stink their way out of trouble. They don't have the speed of a cheetah. They can't run. They don't have the strength of a bear. They can't destroy you with the blow of their paw. They don't even have the brain of a possum. They don't know how to play dead. They don't even have the, the understanding sensitivity of a deer. They don't know when they're in trouble, but that's all right because a sheep has something that no other animal have. A sheep has a shepherd. And I want you to be encouraged because the Lord is your shepherd and victory is yours. Jesus will be there for you in every turn of your situations because he has promised to never leave you, never forsake you, to never leave you alone. I feel the Holy Ghost in here and I'm here to tell you that Jesus is on your side. Victory is yours in the name of Jesus. Everything that I need. Hallelujah. Everything that I need, I can find in Jesus. When I'm tired, he jubilates. When I'm weak, he innovates. When I'm lonely, he fascinates. When I'm friendless, he obligates. When I'm moneyless, he donates. When I'm weak, he jubilates. When I'm hungry, he cultivates. When I'm thirsty, he allocates. When I'm homeless, he accommodates. When the devil comes, he investigates. And he makes the devil vacate. Jesus is my delegate. Can I reiterate? He is everything that I need. It is time for the church to stand as our faith is under attack and say we shall win as a matter of fact I've read the end of the book and we come out victoriously so let your praise begin let your shout begin let your jubilation in God be lifted up because we are on the winning side hallelujah glory be to God I sense the presence of God right now and I want to pray for you because somebody, the enemy, has attacked your physical body as you listen to me. Somebody, your family has come in under an attack. Your faith has been challenged. And the enemy wants you to buckle under the pressure and yield to the pressure. But I feel impressed and there's several things I could have preached. And this won't be the last time that I address you. But this time I'm telling you, your victory is near. Let your praise begin. Your victory is near. Don't wait for the battle to be over to shout, but you shout now. I want you to know that God has put this word in my heart for you to tell you that you have the victory in the name of Jesus. Victory is ours. Hallelujah. I got riled up preaching this message because I don't play when it comes down to the things of God. The enemy attacked my body since you've last seen me. Since you've last seen me, I was diagnosed cancer and I gone, gone through radiation and the enemy tried to fool me into thinking or to trick me into thinking that I wasn't going to make it. But I want you to know that I'm standing here today free of all cancer sales because I recognize the greater is in me. Don't allow the enemy to cause you to buckle under the pressure. Victory is yours in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you, especially if you don't know Jesus Christ, that you will come to know him. And if your faith has been challenged, I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you have the ability and the victory in these hours that we stand in. Father, I thank you and I praise you for the victory as our faith is under attack. You told us in your word 
that we are to stand on your word. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in your law do we meditate, and we shall be like a tree planted by the waters. Our leaves will not wither. We shall produce fruit in due season, and whatever we do, it will prosper. I speak prosperity and strength in the name of Jesus Christ and victory for your people. And I thank you for it. In Christ Jesus' name I pray, amen. To you there in Australia, thank you for allowing me to share. Pastor, thank you for giving me your pulpit this morning. Now that I've been the pastor for a few moments, I will turn it back over to you and you can continue to pastor the church. Until we meet again, God be with you. Thank you. What a powerful message that was spoken today. I hope you were encouraged and blessed by it. If you'd like to sow into Bishop Daryl Hines' ministry, see all of the details below to where you can give and honor this amazing man of God. Also, if you'd like to connect with us, you can go to our Facebook and Instagram pages, Pursuit Church Mornington. We also have a YouTube channel where you can watch all of our videos that we stream live at Pursuit Church Mornington. And if you'd like any other information about our amazing church, go to pursuitchurch.com.au. Be blessed and have an amazing day.